Well, hi there, Kingsgate family in uh, London, Cambridge, Leicester, Peterborough. Great to be with you again. I know this has been such a challenging season for us nationally, internationally, around the world as we've been navigating this crisis. But it is such an honour and a privilege to be able to speak God's word, to look at it together in these days that we are living in. And if you are not part of the Kingsgate family, maybe a friend told you about these broadcasts, you're tuning in, you're vaguely interested, you're very interested, wherever you stand with all of this, you are really welcome and we are honoured that you would give us some time to take a look at what we're doing and to listen to the scriptures, if you will, being preached. My theme today uh, is this, you are loved, you are loved, we are loved, and we're going to think about walking with Jesus through this season. And we're going to turn to a story in the Bible, a story, an episode that happened on that first Easter day. Jesus had been raised from the dead. Rumors were circulating around the city and with the disciples about that resurrection, but there was still a whole lot of confusion. Two of his friends were heading home, weary, exhausted at the end of the most difficult day of their lives, a seven-mile trek from Jerusalem to their hometown of Emmaus. And this is what we read in Luke 24, because for these two, there is a sudden surprise in store. That same day, Two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. And they began to tell him all that he already knew. And then he starts to teach them from the Old Testament scriptures the truth that these things were all promised and prophesied. And then they're getting towards the end of their journey and we read in verse 28, by this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Recognized him. At that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. And then just one verse from the New Testament from 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. I've talked about this before in my visits to Kingsgate, the fact that I often lose things. I, I, I lose my 
keys, I lose my phone, um, I lose my car, I actually left my car uh, parked in a supermarket uh, parking, a car park one time, and um, I completely forgot uh, where I had parked it. I actually left my car at, at Heathrow Airport one time, which was even more um, disastrous. But I, I remember that moment of feeling completely bewildered because I spent about 30 minutes marching around this car park full of thousands of cars. I couldn't call a recovery service to try and get me home because they'd say, where's your car? And I would say, well, that's the point. I haven't got a clue. We don't know where to start. I remember that feeling of being absolutely bewildered. What on earth should I do now? Let's ramp that feeling up a billion times and realize that for so many, for so many, that's been the feeling during this recent season, a feeling of being overwhelmed, a feeling of being bewildered. What can we do? How can we personally navigate our way through trying seasons such as the one that we have been walking through with the devastation, uh, the challenges, the fear that it's all been just everywhere. Uh, and these two were totally bewildered and confused. We don't know much about them. We know the name of one of them, Cleopas. He may have been the brother of Joseph, um, Jesus' earthly father. So he would have been Uncle Cleopas. And we don't know about the identity of the other person on the road at all. Uh, some say it was his wife. Frankly, it, it really, it, it doesn't matter. And they're walking along and suddenly this stranger joins them and starts talking with them. Now, I mean, for us Brits, British people, just reading that, I mean, that would have been a little bit bewildering just in itself. It, it's been said that some of us were practicing, in our culture, we were practicing some social distancing way before the term social distancing was even invented. A stranger just walking up, um, barging into the conversation. Uh, they probably wouldn't have found it unusual because often Passover pilgrims on their way home from the city of Jerusalem, uh, they, would, they would do this kind of thing. They would just join together along the road. And they don't know it, but this stranger, this stranger is, is Jesus. And in the interaction that they share from that surprising conversation, I am convinced today that there are lessons for us, lessons that can help us to walk with God, and if we're not followers of Jesus right now, begin to walk with God even through this current season. Here's the first thing that we learn. The first thing is that we are loved. We are loved so we can share our disappointments in life with him. Verse 17, it says, they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. What an incredible statement. They were almost paralyzed, overwhelmed by the sense of sorrow that they felt. And then they said in verse 21, we had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. Now what's that about? Let's understand that in those days, the Jewish nation had an expectation of a military Messiah, a messianic figure 
who would come to rescue them. Remember that Israel was under the heel of the Romans, the Roman Empire at that time. Their country was not their own. They were oppressed. They were exploited. And so they were hoping for a sort of supernatural Bruce Willis type figure to show up and politically, militarily rescue them from that oppression. And and that expectation, that hope is throughout the Gospels and even in the early part of Acts. And Jesus had not been that military Messiah. Rather than overthrowing the Romans, he'd allowed himself to be arrested and crucified by them. And so they make this statement, which I believe we can make. We had hoped. We had hoped. And I don't want to rush by this statement because it may well be that in the last few weeks and months that you found yourself in situations with, with friends and, and loved ones battling this sickness, with financial challenges that you've navigated, with career difficulties, with threats to your business, with marriage tensions because of extended isolation and again all of the other pressures that have been brought to bear upon us and it might be that one of the only prayers you can pray at the moment goes like this we had hoped we had hoped but we can bring those we had hoped prayers to God and we can even bring those prayers to him with a sense of frustration and anger You say, surely not, that's not reverent, is it? Well, when I read the scriptures, I I read of Jeremiah and Jonah and Elijah, these, these great heroes of the faith, but they experienced anger, not just with life, but frustration with God. When you turn to the Psalms, three of the most frequent prayers in the Psalms go like this. Why have you forgotten me? Why have you rejected me? Where have you gone? So let's know that because we are loved by God, we can be honest with him. John Goldingay says the psalmist assumes that God is big enough to take whatever and loving enough to absorb whatever comments we might make. It might be that a prayer to pray today is simply we had hoped. Secondly, let's know that we are loved and so let's look at life and death with faith because of the great love of God for us. Verse 15 and 16, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. And then verse 25, Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. You see, somehow the truth of the resurrection had not fully dawned on them, and therefore they were not living in the good of it. I mentioned that I mislay things like my car, like my keys, and sometimes I mislay my faith. Sometimes I mislay my grasp on the truth that Jesus really is alive. And it says in the translation that we read that God kept them from recognising Jesus, but there are some commentators who would say that's not the best translation. It might not be that God kept them from recognising Jesus. It might be that weariness, disappointment, tiredness, exhaustion kept them from recognising him. The actual Greek word here simply means their eyes were under 
a rest? Was it just a preoccupation? Let's just get home. We're fed up with this. We're confused. We don't know what's going on. And he is right there, but they don't recognize him. It can sound like a slogan. It can sound cliched. But right now, fellow follower of Jesus, God has not disappeared. He is not dead. He is not impervious to all that is going on. And some of us might be saying, well, we've sensed his presence in a greater way in recent days. And some of us might be feeling like, where has God gone? It could well be that, of course, he is there, but it could be that we're not sensing that because we're just worn down by the current challenges that we've been facing. Let's know that because we are loved, we can look at life and even death itself with a sense of faith. Thirdly, because we're loved, let's keep on inviting Jesus in for supper in this season. I I love this. Verse 29, but they begged him, they begged Jesus, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. There's something really beautiful about Jesus here because, uh, if I might dare say this, it seems like He's having like uh, at least a light touch with them in this moment. Even might be having just a little fun because he knows everything that's gone on. He's been at the centre of it and he says to them, what things? What things have been happening? Well, he knew, didn't he? And then it says, verse 28, Jesus acted as if he were going on. The word is pretended, acted as if. Now, is is he being cruel here? Of course not. There's a playfulness in this moment, but there's also, surely, we see Jesus here wanting to be wanted, looking, waiting for an invitation and giving the impression that he's going to carry on with his journey and waiting for them to extend an invitation for supper. And how the invitation Came. They strongly urged him to come in. The word carries the idea of force. Let, let me say this. If, if you're not a follower of Jesus right now, he's not going to kick the door of your life in and come barging in. It might be that in recent, in recent times, you've had a sense that God has been drawing you. You're, you've been thinking thoughts that you hadn't previously thought. You've considered... Uh, issues of faith and life and even death in a way that you hadn't previously and you're wondering what's going on and I am convinced that in the hearts of many many thousands if not millions of people around the world at this time those stirrings have been taking place but you see now there's an opportunity to invite him into your life not just for an evening for supper but for the rest of forever And notice that when they invited him in, he came in as the one who was in charge because he broke bread like the host of the house. You see, when we invite Jesus in, we're saying, take charge. You be the one who shows the way, who leads the way. And there's this beautiful moment as their eyes are opened, as they share that meal with him. There's an echoing there. Do you remember that story of the Garden of Eden where they eat the forbidden fruit and their eyes are 
open to their nakedness and they feel shame and they fall, they fall, if you will, into sin. Now, echoing that story, there is another meal. Jesus is alive and they break bread and now their eyes are open to another beautiful cosmic reality, the truth that Jesus is alive and now everything is different. In a few minutes from now, at the end of this message, I'm going to be giving everyone watching this an opportunity. If you're not currently a Christian, a follower of Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus to come in. Again, not just for supper. Again, not just help me out through the current challenges. Jesus, come into my life, take charge, forgive me, cleanse me. I want to follow you now for the rest of my days. An invitation to Jesus, not to just get a bit of religion or sign up to a particular church, although you know that you will be very welcome here in in, in any of the Kingsgate campuses. No, this is about an invitation to Jesus, come into my life. And there'll be a moment in a few moments for you to respond to that if you'd like. Well, the last thing is this. What do we learn from this story? Fourthly, we learn that we are loved. We are loved. So let's stay faithful when life is dangerous. In verse 32, having had this amazing meal with Jesus, their eyes have been opened and then he's gone. And so verse 32, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us? as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. And then verse 33, within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Look at that. I mean, it's amazing because the road is dark by now and that road was notoriously dangerous. But now, fueled by the truth that Jesus was alive, they felt able to navigate that shadowy road because Christ was alive and now everything was different and now they wanted to be with their friends, with God's people to share the news of the resurrection. Again, this was decisive. A decision made by faith to navigate that perilous road. I want to suggest that this is perhaps the most important moment for some of us, the most important moment of our entire lives. I don't say that presumptuously. It's not because you're listening to me or tuning into Kingsgate. It's because you're listening to the telling of a great gospel story. And just as these two determined that they were now going to make choices to navigate challenging pathways without fear, without hesitation. Now is the moment to not just not be afraid. Now is the moment to say, I want to invite Christ to come into my life. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And if you would like to make that step, I'm going to invite you to whisper that prayer after me. It will be that first step that first decisive step. And then a little later, um, some information will come up on the screen that will uh, advise you of what help you can get for the next step now that you have made this amazing, wonderful choice. 
And then I'm also going to pray for those of us who are already followers of Christ, that the Lord will strengthen us too to continue walking with Jesus during this season. So are you ready? Right where you are, just ponder this again, not just a prayer for blessing in a vague way, but rather a prayer that hands over our lives to God himself. So here we go. Pray with me. Loving God, I thank you that I am loved by you. I choose to accept that truth by faith, that you love me so much you sent your son to die for me, that I might have life. I choose now. Somehow I sense my eyes have been opened to my need of you. And I decide this moment to become your follower. Forgive me, cleanse me, change me, renew me, take charge. My life is now yours. I will go where you go. Where you lead, I will follow. Thank you for the assurance of your presence in my life. I give you my thanks and praise. And I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you've just prayed that prayer, first of all, fabulous, wonderful congratulations to you. This is the greatest and best decision that you could make. But I want to say this, just as, as those two determined, once they knew that Jesus was alive, they determined, they, they had to go back to Jerusalem. They, they, they didn't want to just be the two of them anymore. They needed to get back with the, with, with the crew, if you like, with the disciples. They needed to be with the people of God. I want to encourage you, if you've just made that decision, to make their decision your decision too. And that is, be around the people of God again. If it's not this church, find a a healthy, strong church. Again, let me say, you are going to be very welcome here. And there are people standing by to help you as you take these first steps. It all might seem massively overwhelming and confusing right now. And you're thinking, how do I make sense of what I just did? You don't have to do that by yourself. But uh, you can connect. um, And there are people who would just love to help you. Finally, let me pray one more prayer for all of us because for myself, for you, for fellow followers of Christ, we want to be sure that whatever the changing circumstances bring, that because we are loved by God, that we walk with Jesus ourselves through this season. So pray, let's pray together. Lord, we come to you now, some of us with our disappointments, with wounds and hurts and struggles, especially from recent days. Some of us come with the prayer we had hoped and we bring that prayer to you. Even even for some of us, anger and frustration and, and bewilderment, we bring ourselves to you. We thank you that we haven't got to sort that out before we can come to you. We want to look at life and death with faith. Forgive us when we mislay the truth of the resurrection 
of Christ. Renew our faith at this time. Keep having supper with us, Jesus. Keep coming in. Keep speaking to us. We want you. We need you. We invite you in during this time. Help us to be faithful when life's challenges mount up and seem overwhelming to us. We give you thanks, Lord, because we are not alone. And as we end this broadcast, we thank you for the technology and for those who serve us, enabling us to enjoy connection as the people of God in the way that we do. We thank you that even when we are scattered, we can gather together in Jesus' name and see you do great and wonderful, powerful things as we do so. So we give you thanks and praise. We lift up the name of Jesus. He is risen. Amen.